Welcome to this episode of the Maximus Podcast. And today we're going to talk about something called quiet quitting. Now, Joe, I'd never heard of this until you brought it up a couple of days ago, but I absolutely fell in love with it. So can you do me a favor for the people that don't know what we are talking about? Can you explain to me what this is? So, yeah, it, it's it's interesting because I don't think there's a lot of agreement as to what the term really means. But the, the best that I read into it, it's sort of quitting the idea of hustle culture, right? This notion that you're supposed to show up for work and go above and beyond, that you're supposed to take on extra responsibilities, but not extra pay. Um, it's this idea that the harder you hustle, you know, the, the further you're going to get in your career. And people are just saying, I ain't about that. Like there's my, my job is not who and what I am. And so I basically just show up and I do what I was hired to do. Now, some people read it as you just do the bare minimum to scrape by and other people read it as no, I'm just doing exactly what I was hired to do. And I won't go any further than that. I won't accept any extra homework. I won't stay late. I won't go out of my way to help the company. I'm here to do exactly what I was hired to do. And that's it. Now, managers, like people who own companies, they sort of read it as you're just being a lazy slob. You're not willing to to give. And they look at it as a very negative thing. The people on the other end of the uh, the spectrum, they see it as not obsessing over work, not losing sleep over the wording of an email, not, uh, uh, like I said, being obsessed with this notion of hustle and constant advancement. So I want to I want to say two things, because I think this can be positive and negative at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think what determines whether it's positive or negative is the company culture or how the company treats their employees. Right. If I work for a company that pays me well, incentivizes me well, I guess those are the same thing. Although you can be incentivized through other mm -hmm. things other than pay. There's room for advancement and they invest in me and my family. Then I do think the employee has an obligation, if you will, to go above and beyond to work hard, to contribute in a positive way, to do everything that you and I preach, right? Like always take the high road, always go extra, show up early, leave late. But that's again, contingent on the company treating you well in return. You right. can look at it as a relationship. You should treat your spouse well, but if your spouse treats you like garbage, it's going to be harder and harder to do that. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. But I, I think there also has to be the reality of it because there's there's the whole like carrot at the end of a stick. And if you've ever had sort of a corporate type job, like that's a real prevalent thing. There's this, this notion that if you work hard and you go the extra mile, you'll get ahead. But if everybody's working hard and everybody's going the extra mile, there's not necessarily, like you said before, room for advancement, no, you know, and, gotta, then, and then it, 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 there ends up with like a lot of like nepotism where like the manager's nephew is going to get the job no matter how hard you hustle. So why are you worried about it? Like, why are you taking that home and, and putting so much of your life into this company that will lay you off uh, the first second it becomes viable to do that? I mean, look at, look at the, pa the pandemic, right? Like everybody started working from home and by and large, it was a very popular thing. Most people preferred telecommuting versus actual commuting. But then the bosses are like, no, no, you need to come back in the office. And it's like, you mean I need to sit in traffic for an hour a day achieving nothing just so I can come to an office and do the exact same work I've been doing at home? Only worse. Like the only reason they want you to come back into the office is to justify the fact that they bought that building. Yes. They just need to justify the fact that there was money vested in that infrastructure. And now it's it's not necessary. But the reality is just that it's not necessary. And so if I'm if I'm a worker and I have to choose between like work from home jobs, which there's a lot more now than there were, or 
going back to a life of commuting. I don't know, man. Like suddenly you realize that there's a great value in that time that you've been giving to the company that you're not compensated for. And then again, a lot of people decided not to come back to work. And and then it's like, well, it's just the expectation that you're going to pick up the slack, that you're going to do all these other people's jobs. But sorry, the economy sucks. We don't have money to pay you for it. Well, then guess what? What? The work's not getting done. I'll do what I was hired to do. If you want me to do more, I should be compensated for that. And if you're not having that that conversation with your supervisor, if your supervisor, your manager, your boss, the owner of the company isn't having that conversation with you, then clearly they don't value you, right? Like they should be the ones to bring that up. Hey, we've got a ton of work to do. There's a great opportunity here. If we, if we band together as an organization that we can really dominate in our field, but everybody's going to have to go this extra mile. We're going to have to hit these marks. And if we can hit these marks, then there's these incentives along the way, because we know you don't own the company. Or, I mean, maybe there's options now to do, to, to get some stock, to get some options, to get some equity in the company. If that's not being offered to you, then you know, that as soon as you know uh, Congress passes that next bill and the economy tanks, uh, you're on the chopping block. Then what? What did all that extra work get for you? So you can walk into your your next job interview and say, "Hey, I busted my tail for a company. Uh, the economy turned. I got nothing to show for it. I'm here to just be a sap and do it again for a different company under the same circumstances." So I, I really see it more from the the worker's perspective of just saying we need to set better boundaries. And, and I think if people had been setting better boundaries from the get-go, when, when you walk into a job interview and they offer you the job and you say, okay, let me make sure that we understand exactly where these boundaries lie. My workday starts at 9 a.m. My workday ends at 5 p.m. I do not answer the phone at 5.01. If I'm walking out the door and it's 4.59 and you ask me a question and the clock ticks over, you can resume that question at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. If that is set, if that is understood, there's no need for this quiet quitting, but it's that that gray area in between where the boss kind of needs you to do something. So he just sort of tells you to do it and you kind of don't want to do it, but you start doing it anyway. And now it's fuzzy. That's where I feel like people are end up quiet quitting or saying, I'm not doing that anymore. It's like that boundary should have been set first and foremost. Well, this brings me back to the original thing, right? When I talked about how the company treats you and I compared mm-hmm. it to your spouse, that carrot has got to be there, number one. There's got to be some incentive for you to do something. Yeah. But B, I look at work as a relationship. And you wouldn't need to set a boundary if there wasn't a negative behavior going on in the first place. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I mean, even if you go into a healthy relationship, there should be boundaries. You know what I mean? Like there should be an understanding of like what you will and won't tolerate within that relationship. You don't have to sit down with a lawyer and write it out. But I think that, that you should have, you know, your own personal boundaries set, even just in your personal relationships, the people you love and care about. Sure. But let me let me actually word this a different way. I'm going to okay. make it personal. You made a comment. I work from nine to five. I don't answer the phone at 501. Mm-hmm. But you have a boss, Joe. You work for a company. You work for a gym in Minnesota. And because that's where you happen to live. Mm-hmm. And you've got a boss who pays you really well. He actually pays you above market value. Every time you come into the office, he asks you about Jojo and Max, your kids. Your wife is involved in Irish dance. She's collecting money for the studio, a fundraiser, and the boss donates some money. The boss actually takes time out of his schedule to come to one of your performances or one of your kids' Mm -hmm. performances. Keeps you up to date about what's going on in the company. Makes you feel included, uh, respects you. 
and you love this job, knowing the type of guy you are, I don't think you're going to have a problem answering the phone at 501. No, you but don't I think I, need I, boundary. Again, I think there does need to be a boundary of what the work expectation is and what I'm personally willing to waver on. Yes. If he, if he's, if he's basically, he's more than just a boss at that point. If he's that involved in my life, he, I have a personal relationship outside of work and there are going to be moments where we both negotiate around that, where we compromise a little bit. We say, Hey, look, you have been such a great boss to me that I am willing to give you time out of my free time above and beyond the normal. But that has to be understood that that's what's going on. It doesn't have to be explicitly stated, but it should be understood. But it's an environment of mutual respect. It's an environment yeah. of mutual love or caring. But but and feel the difference. You, feel the difference, though. If that's the case, then it is kind of fair for the boss to sort of expect that in return. And if you're not yes. getting it, then, I mean, he's just not going to appreciate you as much as the person who does. That That, I think, is fair. But if you're just a cog in a wheel and your manager is just breathing down your neck about hitting numbers and then is like, hey, I need you to come in and work this weekend. Like, yeah, that's what you need. But you know what I need? I need the weekend. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. And I, you know, I signed a work contract, you know, when you hired me, these were the expectations and that's what I will stick to. That I think is fair. You know what I mean? And I think, I think the quiet quitting is when I say it's positive and negative, really applicable to these giant conglomerate Mm -hmm. soulless companies. Frankly, What what I'll say the companies that are big enough to have middle managers, because that's where I think that this happens the most is when you've got that person who's, you know, kind of in charge of you, but not in charge of much. And so, you know, they got, they're they're getting, you know, shit on from above and they're taking all the heat up from underneath as well. They're powerless to do anything. And that's, that's what I think these companies create is this situation where you have people in management roles that can't really manage because they're well, just not and, empowered to do so. Yeah. And the kind of company that would lay you off in a minute and not yeah. think twice. About it. Like here you are giving up your personal time, giving up time with your kids, making sacrifices, but for a company that doesn't have your back at all. And all you are is a number that will replace you in a minute for somebody cheaper. <laughs> you know, I, this I reminds mean, me of a conversation we had a few years ago, and maybe you'll remember the context of this, but if you're a soldier, right. And you're like, you know, like a private, and you're standing in line with all the other privates and the general walks out and just shoots the sergeant in charge of you guys in the head and just drops them dead on the ground. There's two ways that you respond to that. The first one is I got to get out of this freaking unit. I got to get out of here and away from this army thing. This ain't working for me. This ain't safe. The other one is, oh, there's a job opening. I'm ready to move up. And like, if you're in that kind of situation where you've just seen managers getting their heads chopped off left and right, Where's your incentive to try to get into that role? Like nobody really wants that job. Yeah. And so I, again, I think that's, it it, it does take a certain size company that's going to have people that are in that kind of middle position. But when you watch like what your bosses have to deal with, if you don't want to take that on, I mean, going out of your way for the company just isn't really going to get you anything. Yeah. You're going to make the same amount of money, you know, there's got to be a reciprocal relationship. Yeah. So let me, let me give you an example. When I compared it to the spouse, Joe, mm-hmm. you have a spouse who keeps themselves up for you, goes out of the way to ask you if you need anything. Mm-hmm. That's favors for you. You have sex on a regular basis, makes accommodations in their schedule to suit you, supportive across the board. Where your spouse comes to you and says, hey, can you do this favor for me today? You're going to do it with a smile on your face mm-hmm. because you're happy. You're treated well. And there is some, like I said, uh, expectation of reciprocation. It works the same yeah. way in French, right? Yeah. But now your spouse 
and you have no intimate time. They don't keep themselves up for you. They run you down. Don't alter their schedule. Don't do any favors for you. Man, when your spouse comes to you on a Saturday afternoon and says, hey, can you do this? Your answer is going to be no. Yeah. Or you're going to say yes and feel resentment, right? Same thing with a friendship. You have that friend who you constantly call and they never call you back. Mm -hmm. You text them. They don't text you back. You ask them to hang out. They say no, and they offer no alternatives. Well, are you really going to put yourself out for that person, Joe? Right. You're not going to. And that's what I mean. Like you need a boundary when there's some negative behavior happening. Mm-hmm. Because if it was the other way and, and back to the company thing that really cared about you and took care of you and paid you fairly and all the things, you wouldn't think twice about answering a call late. And right. if you did, you wouldn't harbor resentment for it. Like I think where people get in trouble where frankly, they're being taken advantage of, where the company's making hundreds of millions of dollars a year. <laughs> but this this is this is how I know we live in a clown world, Bobby, because the management is now going to call the employees lazy and entitled yes. because they don't want to go above and beyond. And it's like, no, you have abused this this relationship. You know, when you're hired, think about the process of getting hired for a job. Like you throw an application in. First, you, you got to have a paper application. You have to email that to a certain email address. And then you have to fill it out again online, maybe two or three times, and then upload your resume as you send all this stuff in. And if you're lucky, right, you'll get a call back and maybe get an interview against what, a thousand other applicants? And then maybe you're going to get hired. So the whole process of getting hired for like a large company is a very strong power imbalance that you as a, as a applicant are a dime a dozen, but we got one job and we want all of you to fight to the death to get that job and then be so happy that you got that job that we can abuse the hell out of you. And you'll keep the job because of how hard you worked to get it. We don't have to pay you well. We don't have to treat you well. You're basically now just a slave. And again, there's this, the company has all the power. The management has all the power. And you're just like, you just show up and do what we, we tell you. And you're looking at this company, like you said, that's making billions of dollars in profit. And now they want to force you to come back to the office because it's what the manager wants, not what any of the people on the bottom line want. This is this you is know, just, it's a power imbalance. And so to, to have this happen makes sense to me. People just say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to give my life to a company that's never going to give me anything back. And that'll cut me at the, at the, the first sign of trouble to see the management come back and say, well, no, this is just what lazy entitled millennials do. Is oh, it's just not. hilarious to me. This is, this is what, no, no, go back, go back to your, your example about a marriage, right? Let's say you're in an abusive marriage and you're like, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm not going to put up with this. I'm going to put my foot down and I'm going to get some. I'm going to get a lawyer and I'm going to go through it. And then you go present the papers to your spouse and they tear the papers up and start beating you. That's the kind of thing we're talking about here. Right. This is not a healthy situation. So if you're an employer and you find out that this is a trend in your company, you don't blame the people you hired. Remember, that was an intense hiring process. They survived. You got to look at yourself and say, what am I doing wrong? Why am I encouraging this behavior? Like, how does my behavior as, as, a, as a supervisor, as a manager, as an owner of a company turn into this? Right? Like, what's wrong with our culture? So, you know, they're not the, the, the people who are quiet quitting aren't the entitled ones here, guys. You're the ones who are like, no, like you have to give your life to the company and you can be as successful as me. Like, who's the entitled one now, asshole? 
Well, especially when you're making $500 million a year in profit. Yeah. And you're not willing to give up 7 million of that. Yeah. To give your 250 employees a raise. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, Joe? Like, and, and, and that's where I say there's a culture problem, but the number one way to really judge a company when I think about it then is turnover. Yeah. Like if a company is hard to get into and nobody ever leaves, what does that tell you? They either pay really well, the culture's really good, people like it there, or a combination mm-hmm. of all three. Yeah. So I will tell you this, there's a Costco that I've been going to since I moved to Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. I moved here, let's call it 14, 15 years ago, Joe. Many of the same people who were there when I moved here, guess what? They're still here. Yeah. They're still working. They remember my name. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's funny that tells me that it can't be that bad of a place to work. They're <laughs> either to, to, to be well, fair, they might be like, here comes a guy who well. buys all the peanut butter. <laughs> yes. But you know, you know what I'm saying? Like jokes yeah. aside, if there's a large group of people who have been there for 15 years, yeah. they're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, like I said, I, and, and my guess would be, the people are fairly compensated, probably in comparison to some other places, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they pay more than Target. Maybe they pay more than Walmart. Maybe they pay more than Sands Club. My guess is they do because people aren't leaving. Yeah. Probably have a great benefits package. Mm-hmm. Their managers are probably nice to their employees or foster a positive environment in terms of corporate culture. Right. On the other hand, if you have a workplace that's a literal turnstile, yeah, that people are leaving in droves and hiring well, I, and leaving, I, I, I would see that two ways. Either one, it's a really terrible company to work for, like they just don't value people, or two, people move up really, really quickly. So you yeah. have to look into it because I know um, uh, we'll we'll pick on them all the time, like Lululemon. But like when they hire somebody to work in their store, the expectation is that they're going somewhere. They don't hire somebody and say, this is the job that you're going to have the rest of your life. Like they, you're in a pipeline where it's like, what's your dream? What do you want to be? And what can we do as a company to help you get there? And in the meantime, you help us out by working behind the counter. It's a really interesting culture that they've developed in that. And, and there's a lot of companies that do that. Think of a lot of uh, like small town restaurants. They know they're going to be hiring like, you know, high school kids to bus tables. The kids are going to go off to college. And so it's there is a bit of a turnstile but it's also a good place to get experience, a good place to learn things. And, and if you remember when we talked with, uh, with David Nayfield on the podcast, you know, he said in the restaurant business in particular is one of the only ones where you can come in as a dishwasher and end up owning your own restaurant years later. Yep. And so if you're working at like a restaurant and you're not seeing a lot of the same faces, I mean, maybe it's because it's a really good place to work, but there's yeah, no maybe. middle ground on that. You know what I mean? It's black or it's white. Either people are moving up and moving on, and everybody's happy with that, or they're fleeing a sinking ship. No, and and dude, some of these companies, man, the gall, <laughs> the nerve. Well, that's like that's why you, the response from the management of like all these entitled millennials, like, dude, you are missing the point here. <laughs> you should you should love working for Chipotle for the joy of serving people guacamole. <laughs> Fuck off. It has been my dream since my youth. To charge but they would an extra have dollar believe for guacamole. Like sometimes they 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 throw this stuff down your throat. Mm. And I'm not saying Chipotle does that. It could be a coffee company. Like you should enjoy serving coffee for three dollars an hour. 
get the fuck out of here. Well, and, and I'll like, say too, for, making- for a lot of people, if you've never owned your own business, like you want to talk about like being obsessed with the job and being obsessed with performance and lying awake at night, worried about work performance, try owning your own thing. Cause there's a ton of freedom in it. I love it. You know what I mean? Like I love it. But yeah, you are on 24 7, 365. When, when, when I would take vacations, even now, you're not really on vacation. You're just, you're just getting away from some of what you have to do so you can ponder things that you haven't been able to ponder for a while. You know what I mean? It's like that's hustle culture. And so if you're into that, go own your own thing. Don't make money for some other guy. Yeah. Get, so let me you let out of the company and then, and then build your own thing. And now you can be as, as grind and grind, rise and grind as you want, right? So let me tell you a funny story, Joe. And I got to send you the article because I was dying laughing. It uh, it was one of those things, you know, when you, you swipe left or right or whatever it is on your, on your iPhone and you yeah. get the news bulletins. Yep. And it was like 10 of the worst Facebook posts of all time. And I'm like, I'm bored. I'm going to check this out. And it was just, all, just that headline piques my interest right there. It was all centered around disgruntled parents that were upset with their babysitters. And there were people that were shocked, appalled, disgusted that their babysitter didn't want to work for $5 an hour. Yeah. Back when I was a kid, I got $3 for watching the name. My God. So wait, wait. And they would say that they needed help because they couldn't stand spending that much time with their kids. Yep. And the babysitter, the babysitters are the entitled ones here, right? The babysitter (laughs) should be grateful that they have the opportunity to make $5 an hour. And people would just rip these people to shreds, Joe. Like people are looking for daycare for 50 bucks a week. Mm -hmm. What type of person are you going to get? And meanwhile, on the babysitter's end, why would I go babysit? Who who are the two most precious people in your life, Joe? My kids. Why would you want to leave them with somebody who's going to work for $5 an hour? I know. And, and then on my side, if I'm going to watch your kids, I don't want that kind of responsibility in my life for $5 an hour. <laughs> like if I fuck up, Joe, that's really, really bad. Right? Like I'm taking care of the yeah. most important thing in your life and you you know, I show up at your house and you've got a list of activities I've got to go do and places mm. I got to drive. I'm not doing that for five bucks an hour. Well, no way. Let's, let's do the math on that. Like where, where is that line crossed? Where, where does, does like your children become the most precious thing in my life? Like where, where yeah. is it? Is it 10 bucks an hour? No, definitely not. Is it a hundred thousand dollars? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, Maybe. if you were like, I, I'll like, give you a hundred grand to watch my kids for a day for 24 hours. Like I will be right there with your kid. They won't get a paper cut for a hundred grand. You know what I mean? Golden Lego blocks. Exactly. (laughs) So somewhere in between, but it ain't $5, you know, you know, and and so that's what I mean. And then some of these parents had the nerve to when the $5 an hour babysitter showed up, give them a list of things that they should do. You got to bathe the kids. You got to feed them. I'm not doing none of that for five an hour. And so, (laughs) and anyway, these parents were, clueless well that you should want to do it for the love of children well why don't you hang out with your kids then <laughs> you're telling me you need a break and how hard it is uh. <laughs> so so my thing joe is like i've decided i am 100 percent in favor of quiet quitting mm-hmm. and that sounds like an anti-bobby maximus thing to say because i am the first person to say rise and grind go the extra mile 
take no shortcuts. But again, there's got to be that agreement in place that I'm getting something back for that. Well, I think I think what you're, what you're talking about, like especially just in in our brand. I mean, it's fitness. You know what I mean? It's like getting after your health, getting after your fitness, your strength, your 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 cardio, all that good stuff. That that's for you. You know what I mean? It's like it's the thing that you should want for yourself. Yep. And if you're working for a company and you're not achieving what it is that you're out to achieve, like then you need to reframe that. No, or like what you said, set your boundary. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know I, I mean? think it's I think it's fair to go to your supervisor to demand, you know, hey, I work for you. I need a half hour of your time and we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about exactly what my plan is here. You know, uh, 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 one of the, the clients that I have uh, recently got a job that's not super fulfilling. You know what I mean? It's it's basically call center type stuff, sitting at a computer, eight straight hours. You, you get your 15 minute break in the morning, your half hour lunch, your 15 minute break in the afternoon. But the rest of the time you're on the phone. And, and yes, they're, you know, you're trying to, to get money. You're watching the numbers on a computer screen all day long. It's not glorious work. Most of the people he works with are like elderly and they're doing it because they like talking to people on the phone. They like it because it's pretty easy physically. They can just sit and work. The paycheck's not bad. You know, it's not like that's the problem, but it's just kind of soul sucking. And so in his mind, he's like, this is the best paying job I've ever had. I can't complain that it's difficult, you know, but God, I just I'm wishing my life away constantly. There has to be a light at the end of that tunnel because Grandma Sue working next to him. She don't care. You know what? She's there to get some extra bowling money. She's there so she can go play bingo on the weekends and not have to worry about tapping into her Social Security income. That's a different scenario for him. He needs to know that the experience he's getting in that department is going to be put to use somewhere else. So what is it? Is it a year? Is it two years? Like when does that next opportunity come along? Because if you can see that light, yeah, I'll hustle a little bit, knowing that there's a path, knowing that my supervisor knows that that's where I'm trying to go. And it's in my own best interest because now it's not just my best interest, but it's in the best interest of the company to help that person advance, to help them get to that next stage. Because now, like you said, we have a different relationship as a company and an employee where I'm helping you. I'm willing to do this work. I'm learning more about the company. And now I'm in a position where I can maybe supervise this department or I can go to a different department and take what I've learned here, learn what I got to learn there and kind of bring them together in a way that helps the company grow. That is a conversation you need to have. That is the kind of thing that's going to allow you to, to get into that healthy relationship status versus just sitting there disgruntled saying, okay, my goal today is to move 500 units. I've moved 500 units and I'm done for the day. Right. It sucks. It It sucks to wish your life away. But again, I'm okay with it. Somebody's treating me well. Actually, I probably won't even think about wishing my life away. You know what I want to close the podcast with Joe? What's that? My sports analogy teams. And I'm, by the way, I am always pro player. You know that. Yeah. But teams, whether it's the LA Lakers, Minnesota Timberwolves, Toronto Raptors, They constantly ram it down players' throats. You guys have no loyalty. You should be (laughs) honored to wear the purple and gold. You should be honored to play in the, I think it's called the crypto center now or something like that. It used to be the Staples Center. You should be honored to wear the jersey that so-and-so wore. And you owe us because we made you and you're unloyal. How dare you look at signing with another team? And how dare you want more money? Like you've heard Mm. all of this stuff, Joe. Meanwhile, 
That same team will cut you in a heartbeat to save a dollar. And they won't even do it to your face. Right. You will be woken up in the middle of the night by your phone (laughs) blowing up from your friends to find out that you got your contract cut on Twitter. Yeah. That's just, and by the way, I've had friends that that has happened to. Mm -hmm. They found out they've lost their job on Twitter. Yeah. But you're going to come to me and ram company loyalty or team loyalty or whatever you want to call it down my throat. No, 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 my friend. It's a two way street, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so for me, like in that regard, that's why I'm in favor of this quiet quitting stuff. We are going to have a boundary. You agreed to pay me so much or X amount of dollars for X amount of work, right? If you don't know my name, you don't take an interest in me. There's no chance for promotion you'll write me up the minute i look at you funny i'm not doing shit yeah like i'm out you know what i mean so i'm all for it and i think that in this country people have to buy their happiness back joe yeah well yeah i because i i'll end on this note because for me the the quiet quitting thing is just it's like a personal liberation yeah just saying you're not a slave to your paycheck like honestly and and people are so worried like oh i can't pay the mortgage i can't pay the rent i you know obviously there's concerns about food and shelter and and i I would just say, just take all of that away for a second, just for a moment in your consideration and just think about how else you could solve that problem. How else could you come up with the rent money next month? You know, and and Gary V had this whole thing of like, if you want to make some money this weekend, go on Amazon, buy some shoes cheap. Oh, am I frozen? I'm there. I lose you. Now you're frozen. There you are. Internet connection is unstable. Mine or yours? That's it. It just popped across my screen. It's Zoom. Oh, weird. So anyway, uh, I was just saying, Gary Vee had this thing uh, uh, a few years back. He just said, if you want to make some money this weekend, go on Amazon, buy some shoes cheap, and then go on eBay and sell them at a markup. He's like, I guarantee you can do it. You can make 50, 60, 100 bucks, but people aren't going to do it because it takes work and it takes effort. But if it came down to if you could do that and make the rent money and then go tell your boss to F off, what's the value? So if you can solve that problem in another way, it changes that whole power structure. You're not a slave to your job. You're not identified by who you work for. And if they're going to cut you in a heartbeat, guess what? You better have a backup plan. Did you, did you, this reminds me, Google this when we're off the show. Did you see this thing that Burger King did? Mm. And I don't think it was Burger King corporate. I really want to grab my phone right now so I can Google this so I get it right. (laughs) But there was some guy and he worked for Burger King for like 25 or 30 years, Joe. Dedicated his life to it. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. And on his last day, as a thank you, his manager bought him like a kid's meal or something. (laughs) What? (laughs) Anyway, there was this whole public outrage. I think Burger King corporate came in and made it right and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) But can you imagine? It's like you're working for Culver's. You love Culver's. You're working. It's a Midwest thing, but you love your Culver's. And you'll work there for 30 years. and you. You bust the tables and you make sure the straws are straight. <laughs> and you love it. And on your days off, you're wearing a Culver's t-shirt and you just, you live and breathe Culver's and you've dedicated 30 years to your life to that place. And on the way out the door, they're like, Joe, in honor, and commemoration, 30 years of service, we got you a French fry. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Not, not even a cheese curd. Come on. Jeez. <laughs> But that, I mean, that in a nutshell, what happened to this person is 
why we have the need for quiet quitting in the first place. Yeah, and that that's my point is that companies can't be blaming employees for this one. Don't, don't, don't be looking at them like they're entitled or lazy. There's something else going on. And it's usually that self-reflection is necessary. Build a better culture. Have have better conversations with your employees. Give them something worth giving a shit about. Yeah, make them like part of it. And don't don't ram your we're a family bullshit down my throat when you don't actually mean it. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than when you get the corporate culture, uh, the, the manual, Joe. The videos they make the you videos. watch. Yes. Oh my God. Rah, rah, rah speak <laughs> about how each and every one of us that, that spacely sprockets is important <laughs> and you are loved and cared for and you're building a better world. And it's all a load of horseshit. Yeah. Somebody, somebody in HR came up with this notion that we need to pitch this to the employees. It's like, guys, you got to live it. You got to live it. If, you, if you're not having personal relationships with the people who work for you, they're not going to give you their personal time. And if you, if you want, uh, you want to build a hustle culture, like you got to pay for the hustle culture. Yeah. Like here's Joe walking into Starbucks thinking he's serving dreams and memories to people <laughs> and making their life complete. And then you're getting yelled at for like not putting enough cream or sugar. There's a disconnect here, guys. Come on. You know who Simon Sinek is? No. He, he does a lot of like, uh, like corporate cultural type stuff. He's a, kind of like a TED Talks kind of guy. He's always like giving these like really insightful speeches. But he tells this great story about meeting this guy uh, working at the, the coffee counter at some hotel he's at in Vegas. And the kid is just smiling and laughing and having conversations with people. And he just asks him, you love your job? And the guy's like, oh, I love working here. And he finds out he also is a barista at another hotel, but he said, I hate it there. He's like, if you go see me work there, I'm not smiling. I'm not laughing. And so he just asked him, well, what's the difference? And he said, here, it doesn't matter who. Managers who aren't even my manager, they'll walk up, they'll say hi, they'll ask me how I'm doing. And if there's anything they can do to help me do my job better. I love it. He's like the other place. It's like you just keep your head down and you just you don't make noise because the managers only ever come by to yell at you. Yeah. Just pray that you don't get fired or written up. Yeah. Ask me now if I'm in that other place. Ask me if I'm going to go above and beyond. It's like, no, I don't want to I don't want to stand out in any way, shape or form. You. Yeah. I would you. And I want to see people in this country buy back their happiness. Like I said, like, take it back. Mm -hmm. Because, again, it's a two way street. Like if you work for Amazon, you don't owe them anything. Well, and hey, our whole thing on the, on the Maximus podcast is that what we do in the gym, what we do physically needs to impact our world in other ways. And I say, take back your fitness, right? You don't have to purchase it online. You don't have to purchase it through gym memberships. Like you can decide that fitness is something that you you are about and you can make it happen. You just have to, to decide that it's yours to do that with. Don't expect someone else to fix you. And I say the same thing with your career. Your career is your career. And if you're willing, to, to sell your soul to a company for a certain period. If they're giving you a pension and benefits and a happy place to work and you don't mind coming in, I'm not going to say you made a bad choice. Fuck, no. that sounds great. A lot of people, I, I wish that that was more of a thing. But if you're like, feel like you're getting your soul sucked and you're unappreciated, like find a better place. You deserve it. For $3.95 an hour. Yeah. Go be a babysitter. You can make twice that. It'd be great. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're out. Thank you for supporting us. We don't ask for much. We didn't ram codes down your throats. We didn't play stupid ads. How you're going to pay us back for all this free, wonderful, marvelous content that we put our souls into. Speaking of soul sucking, Joe, <laughs> you're going to share this. 
going to send it to your friends. You're going to send them links. You're going to send it to your email list on your social media. Post a story about it. Just give us some more. That's all we're asking. That's it. We're out. You're the last of a dying breed.